is being broadcast in its entirety every day on radio and TV. According to his landlady, I had momentarily appeared on the TV screen the day before, identified by the commentator as one of the courtroom spectators. And then this very morning, he had himself heard the corroborating news item on the radio. Apter was calling to check on my whereabouts, because he had understood from my last letter that I wasn't to be in Jerusalem until the end of the month, when I planned to interview the novelist Aaron Appelfelt. He told his landlady that if I were in Jerusalem, I would already have contacted him, which was indeed the case. During the four visits I had made, while I was working up the Israel sections of the counter-life, I'd routinely taken Apter to lunch a day or two after my arrival. This cousin Apter, twice removed on my mother's side, is an unborn adult. In 1988, a 54-year-old who had evolved into manhood without evolving, an under-life-sized, dollish-looking man with the terrifyingly blank little face of an aging juvenile actor. There is imprinted on Apter's face absolutely nothing of the mayhem of Jewish life in the 20th century, even though in 1943 his entire family had been consumed by the German mania for murdering Jews. He had been saved by a German officer who had kidnapped him at the Polish transport site and sold him to a male brothel in Munich. This was a profitable sideline the officer had. Apter was nine. He remains chained to his childishness to this day, someone who still in late middle age cries as easily as he blushes and who can barely meet one's level gaze with his own chronically imploring eyes, someone whose whole life lies in the hands of the past. For that reason, I didn't believe any of what he said to me on the phone about another Philip Roth who had showed up in Jerusalem without letting him know. His hunger is unappeasable for those who are not here. But four days later, I received a second call in New York about my presence in Jerusalem. This one from Aaron Appelfeld. Aaron had been a close friend since we'd met at a reception given for him by Israel's London cultural attaché in the early 80s, when I was still living most of each year in London. The American publication of his newly translated novel, The Immortal Barfus, was to be the occasion for the conversation I'd arranged to conduct with him for the New York Times book review. Aaron phoned to tell me that at the Jerusalem cafe where he went to write every day, He'd picked up the previous weekend's edition of the Jerusalem Post, and on the page-long listing of the coming week's cultural events under Sunday, came on a notice he thought I should know about. Had he seen it a few days earlier, Aaron said, he would have attended the event as my silent emissary. Diasporism, the only solution to the Jewish problem. A lecture by Philip Roth, Discussion to follow, 6 p.m., Suite 511, King David Hotel. Refreshments. I spent all that evening wondering what to do about Aaron's confirmation of Apter's news. Finally, having convinced myself during a largely sleepless night that some fluky series of errors had resulted in a mix-up of identities that it was in my best interest to disregard, I got out of bed early the next morning and, before I had even washed my face, telephoned Suite 511 of Jerusalem's King David Hotel. I asked the woman who answered, and who answered speaking American English, if a Mr. Roth was there. I heard her call out to someone, "'Hun, you?' 
Then a man came on the line. I asked if this was Philip Roth. It is, he replied. And who is this, please? The calls from Israel had reached me at the two-room Manhattan hotel suite where my wife and I had been living for nearly five months, as though aground on the dividing line between past and future. The impersonality of big city hotel life was most uncongenial to the domestic instinct so strong in both of us. Yet ill-equipped though we were to be displaced and to be living together in this uprooted, unfamiliar way, it was preferable for the time being to our returning to the Connecticut farmhouse where, during the previous spring and early summer, while Claire stood helplessly by, fearing the worst, I had barely made it through the most harrowing exigency of my life. Half a mile from the nearest neighbor's dwelling, and encompassed by woods and open fields at the end of a long dirt road,